you bring your ice skates to work today? You know, I don't have them anymore. I used to skate. Really? I used to ice skate, and I was pretty good. When I went to BGSU. Go Falcons. In the 1960s, go Falcons. Uh, they had just opened the ice arena. Oh, fun. And as an education major, you have to take a certain, like, it was like eight-week course in sure. different phys ed activities. So I took figure skating. And I went from being a beginner to being able to do a backward cross crossovers. Really? But I could only do backward crossovers one way. You're supposed to, which basically, literally, is you're, you're skating backwards and you cross your, your one foot over the other. Yeah. But my, my left ankle is weaker. So I could do the right over the left, but the left I could not do over the right, which simply meant I went around in circles. <laughs> in a continuous loop. In a continuous Until loop. Somebody... Hello, everybody. We're in a continuous loop. This is Father Herb. <laughs> it feels that way. And that is it? Michael. Hi. Welcome to the 23 talk, talk about Loopy. There's Michael. Podcast. Hello. Hey, um, you're talking about the ice arena. It yes. reminds me of one of probably the worst moments. Oh, yes. In the history of this parish. In my professional career was in that building when I took the high school students. This would have been, let's see, I would have been full time towards the beginning, probably before I got married. And it was you. I didn't have enough work for you as a music director. So you were also youth minister. Yes. And we t anyway, we took the high school kids curling down at BGSU. They've got a curling rink. Which was great fun. Until? Uh, until I was so invested in sweeping the ice to keep the stone moving that I I went down hard. My shoulder and my face hit the ice. And I got up quickly hoping that nobody would see. And nobody said anything. But it was posted on Instagram, even no. before Instagram uh, existed. No, but within about five minutes, one of the girls came up and said, Michael, why is your eye all puffy? And I went into the bathroom, and the beginning of a very serious black eye that eventually swelled the whole side of my face shut my eye. And it's been ever that way ever since. Actually, tr you want to know the truth? Sure, I want to know the truth. My That shoulder still hurts to this day a little bit. But I'm, don't worry, I'm not going to... This is the most amazing thing, that you have a, a sports injury. <laughs> you, of all people, have a sports injury. That is about as close as You can as tell as your I'll... grandkids about uh, that. Yeah. Back sport. in the old days. I think it's a youth minister injury. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, good times, and uh, welcome to the podcast, everybody. And I did not skate to work because I was uh, conscious that the weather could be bad, the roads could be slippery, but when I came, everything was fine. Yeah, it's not not too bad. I was just a little a little slushy. We we record this on Tuesday, so today is uh, Tuesday. Did you know that today on January twenty sixth, we are also observing the forty third anniversary of the Great Blizzard of seventy eight. Of seventy eight, you did the math real fast. I, I wasn't alive. Yeah. However. Um, thanks a lot for getting me a present. Today's my half birthday, but obviously you forgot. Oh, thanks. I'll lot. give you half of a present. <laughs> just the wrapping paper. Uh, anyway, so here we are back in ordinary time, just as last week, moving on to the fourth Sunday in ordinary time. And we are time. still, still in chapter one of Mark's gospel. Before I would tell people, whoever you are, wherever you are from, whatever your time constraints are, read chapter one of Mark's gospel. It, it encapsulates most of the gospel all in one chapter. 
Good. And we know you all have some extra time out there these days. Sure. While you're waiting in the car uh, to before you can go into the store because or the, while they're bringing the stuff from Kroger's and putting it in the trunk of your car. Click list. What a great thing. Hey, speaking of groceries, just a reminder to everybody, in a couple of weeks, we're going to have a food drive uh, coming up Valentine's weekend. Which is just around the corner. So you can start uh, purchasing your non-perishable food items, and then we will have a truck in the parking lot that weekend. Uh, and I'm calling it a food truck. <laughs> it's a truck to pick up food. It's not a food truck yeah. where you go to the window and you get a pizza. You can't make, you can, no, you cannot make orders. Hey, speaking of trucks with food, did you see there's this really cool thing in Toledo? Um, I forget the name of it. I'd have to look it up. But a Toledoan, he took an old fire truck and turned it into a mobile beer truck. And so it's got all these taps on the side of it, and you can have it come to an event and has all different varieties of beer in it. Isn't that you cool? know, I did see something about that, but I didn't know it was a fire truck. It's an old fire truck. It was. Um, I saw it yesterday uh, just on social media. Apparently, Kelly Clarkson had it on her. She featured it on her. Oh, that was the thing. I, they said there was a Toledo on uh, on her show. Yeah. So I don't watch her show. Neither do I. I don't watch much TV. Well, it's daytime TV. We don't have time. It, right. We, yes. We're podcasting. Yes. Well, it takes all day to do this podcast. <laughs> it feels At least like. twenty three minutes. <laughs> All right, so let's get to this gospel reading, Mark chapter 1. This week we're in verses 21 to 28. And I love it when we do it in parts, but today I'm going to read it, and you get to be the the voices. I I get to be the voices. The voice of the unclean spirit. For those of you listening, in case you're wondering, this is... It's probably very obvious. This is never pre-planned or rehearsed, so I don't really, <laughs> I never really know what's happening until. Well, I plan it. Okay. okay. Um, <laughs> oh, good. There's there's two voices: the unclean spirit, and you have to do it in character. In character, okay. Uh, and then you can also uh, do the part of Jesus who rebukes him. So I'll I'll let you do the unclean spirit, but also Jesus. But it has to be a different voice. Okay, a different voice. <laughs> wow, pressure. And, okay, are we ready? I will read the their narrator's part. All right. Then they came to Capernaum, and on the Sabbath, Jesus entered the synagogue and taught. The people were ast- astonished at his teaching, for he taught them as one having authority and not as the scribes. In their synagogue was a man with an unclean spirit. He cried out, What have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are the Holy One of God. Jesus rebuked him and said, Quiet, come out of him. The unclean spirit convulsed him and with a loud cry came out of him. All were amazed and asked one another, What is this? (laughs) Oh, a new teaching with authority. He commands even the unclean spirits and they obey him. His fame spread everywhere throughout the whole region of Galilee. And scene. That was actually pretty good. I was trying not to be blasphemous, either in my portrayal of the, our Lord and Savior or the serious events that took place. Right. My usually default voice is Grover from Sesame Street, but I figured that may be somewhat inappropriate for the context of the well, reading. Did you ever see Lord of the Rings? Uh, yeah, the my, my precious. God, is that who says that? Is that I have. I've not seen Lord of the Rings in but a very the, the, long time. But the character that does, oh, my precious. Is that you know? Gollum? That does yeah, that? Gollum. Is it? I don't even know. Well, I think so. Okay. But anyway, that was kind of the voice I heard in my head for the unclean spirit. I 
I could have gone that route. My artistic interpretation this time did not lead me on that path. You have artistic <laughs> interpretations. Okay. Well, this is a two-part story. It's first of all about his words of authority, namely when he preaches in the synagogue. And then it's his action of authority mm-hmm. when he drives out the unclean spirit. So let's talk about authority. The word authority comes up a couple of times. They say, uh, who is this man? Because he speaks with authority. What does authority mean to you, my friend? And remember, I'm your boss. (laughs) No pressure. Uh, Authority means to me uh, one who has wisdom, power, control, but not in a... The face you're giving. I'm giving you strange looks. You are. Um, It also is the author of the subject, right? Like it has knowledge of the subject. I just came from the Bible study and we had a great discussion about authority and authoring. Really? Yes. By the way, when you ask me what I think something is, you can't give me looks when I'm answering honestly. That's not very nice. <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to help you out because I figured you I knew you wanted you, me to you get had to the a word author. To amend yourself for those three listeners that we have. You were you were touting your authority over me with your face. <laughs> <laughs> well, when you used the word control, that's when I gave you the dirty look. You did. I, I know like you don't word, like that word. I don't like the word control at all. But there is a difference between authority and power. Many times. Have you ever gone to an institution where it could be the person at the front desk, it could be the receptionist, it could be the secretary, it could be uh, the one who answers the phone? I mean, lots of times the first contact person Mm -hmm. has a lot of power. Sure. They let you in or they don't let you in. Yeah. They don't really have a whole lot of authority, however. Sure. So uh, authority is linked to the word author. It's the source. Mm-hmm. That's a good word. See, I'll affirm you. Good choice of word. Thank you. You didn't sure. even have to make a face. I didn't. Okay. Uh, it's, it's the source, the, uh, the person speaking with authority. Well, let me give the background. Jesus went to Capernaum. He grew up in Nath- Nazareth. He went to Capernaum. That's where he lived as an adult. He claimed that as his hometown. Mm-hmm. It was a beautiful place uh, on the sea. Of course, he hung out with a fisherman, so that was appropriate. That's where Peter lived. Mm -hmm. But he went into the synagogue, and it was not uncommon that a layperson was allowed to read from the scrolls, and we have that in Luke chapter 4, where Jesus goes into the synagogue, and he's handed the scroll of Isaiah, and he reads. Well, after they were finished reading, they could do a teaching, and usually the teaching would be a quote from Well, Rabbi so-and-so says this about this, or Rabbi so-and-so says that. Mm -hmm. But Jesus spoke from his own authority. He did not have to rely on the authority of the intellectuals, the ones who had studied it. And so that's why they were amazed. It says they were astonished by his teaching. They were astonished because he spoke as one having authority. Like, who is this guy? Sure. That's why I said authority is so different from power. Authority means that somehow his implicit wisdom said, this is what this passage is speaking to us, Mm -hmm. saying to us. Then we have the unclean spirit. 
And then the unclean spirit in your wonderful voice cried out, what have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? (laughs) Now, there is such a thing as the secret. And in Mark's gospel, it is called the messianic secret. Hmm. In other words, the secret of who is the Messiah. And it kind of evolves through the entire, entire uh, gospel. This reminds me a little bit of the movie National Treasure with Nicolas Cage. I just well, watched from, it from with one the girls. clue to the next to the next. Right. Yeah, actually, to find kind the of treasure. Uh, weren't there two movies? There was. I just and the second was more of the same, but the first one was fun. Yeah, it's great fun. Okay, so I'm going to ask you about secrets. Do you get two little girls? Do they keep secrets? Do they even say? Uh, I have a secret. Daddy, I'm going to tell you a secret. You can't tell anybody. Don't tell mom. No, I would say that there's not that type of culture in our home. I think our home is a pretty open place where we freely talk about things with one another. I think there's two types of secrets. I think there is a secret in terms of I am going to confide in someone. Like if I want to share something with you that I need to talk with somebody about. That's one type of secret. That's called confidential. Yeah, but I would say the other type is all is probably more negative, where I'm talking about someone, or I am, um, maybe it's more in line with gossip. Like, like uh, if I were to say, you know, you're my favorite member of the staff, and then I turn around and I say to Aaron or Hillary or Bobby or Tina or Sister Anne Mary. You're my favorite member of the staff. Keep a secret. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Don't tell anybody. <laughs> Don't tell the others. Well, that, that would just be very divisive. Sure. That would be, uh, well, first of all, it would nothing good would come out of it. Yeah. I think there's great integrity in being able to be someone that someone else can confide in. I mean, obviously, you must have some insight in this as a confessor. Well, I I always tell people I am trained to keep secrets. You, <laughs> secret uh, which, keeping 101 in seminary. <laughs> you know what? Uh, most of the time it's not hard because it's such a holy moment for somebody else. Sure. Uh, it's not in the sacrament of reconciliation. It's the other confidentialities and sometimes very good things. Yeah. Uh, good things that somebody says, uh, my spouse and I are expecting a child, but we're not telling anybody yet. I we haven't that. even told our parents yet. We did that with you. I told you. You were probably one of the first people I told. Yeah. And did I break your confidentiality? No. I you still well, you told I still Claire. I haven't told anybody that you have a daughter. <laughs> you broke the news to Claire. But other than that, <laughs> no. you were fine. <laughs> um, yeah. I, and those are the people in life, though, that you really learn to trust. And the people in life that you really value is somebody that you can confide in and know will keep a secret for okay, you. Okay, so in Mark's gospel, it's called the Messianic Secret, that the secret of who Jesus is. And that's counterintuitive for almost all of us in the 21st century. Because if you want to reveal something, you have a major, you know, uh, a press conference. Sure. Or you you have a, a rally, and you have a brand branding going on so that you get the word out in lights Sure. You, you release it on social media. You, you want everybody to know everything very quickly. Right. It's the great announcement. Okay. In Mark's gospel, it's kept a secret. But it's a strange secret because the disciples are the ones who don't get it. And they don't get it. And they don't get it through, I would say, at least three-fourths of the way through the gospel. 
uh, and it's fully revealed actually only when Jesus is hung on the cross and the Roman soldier, the pagan, mm-hmm. who says, oh, truly, this is the Son of God. Yeah. On the other hand, it's revealed by the unclean spirit right here. It's unclean. It, it's, In chapter one. Yeah. So it's revealed by those who would not, it would, they get it, but for the wrong reason. So why is it, and this is the wonderful thing, why is it such a slow cook? It, it's because it has to be savored. It's, it's a slow revelation because if, if, if not, people would follow Jesus for all the wrong reasons. Mm. They would just be come to get healed. You know, it's like you, you hear there's a new restaurant open and uh, the first meal is free. So people go running to it. Yeah. Um, or, or chasing fame. Or chasing fame. And Jesus was not about that. He did, he did, he did healing. He, he preached with authority. He healed with authority. He drove out unclean spirits with authority. But he did not do it just to show off what he could do. He wanted people to come to believe in him. And that's why it has to be slow, that you come to believe in the, the wonder worker and not just in the wonder. And the, the same is still true now. We know the whole story, right? I mean, we, we've read it time and time again in four different Gospels. Yeah. And it's still a slow cook for us. So, of course, it would be a slow cook for the, they're the original crockpot. Low and slow. Coming from a crackpot. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, the, you know, how could it not be for them? I mean, they, they must have been just constantly saying, what just happened? How do we explain this? How and do we interpret this? they had to process. This? And I, b- I believe faith is about process. Yeah. We have to process it. We don't just look for answers. One of the first things I learned in my formal study of theology is it's not about answers. It's about daring to ask the right questions and living in the ambiguity. So people who just want the answers without processing it, it might be a a hollow answer. You know, I grew up in the days of the, the Baltimore catechism and I knew a lot of answers and I still remember a lot of answers. Yeah. Now, fortunately I had good teachers along the way Mm -hmm. and I was the, I had the inquisitive mind that wanted to know what was behind it. Yeah. And, the good sisters, the precious blood sisters in Ottaville were extremely good. I was quite blessed that they would, they would tell the full story as much as they could. Well, and it's also difficult now because we are a very question. Well, let me say that again. We are a very answer seeking society, right? If I want to know something, I'll ask Alexa or I'll Google it. Right. As soon as, as soon as I have a question, I can find out the answer in a matter of seconds. Um, So I think it's ingrained in us to be able to seek knowledge and truth and fact as quickly as possible. So when something isn't quite as clear or something that we can't answer in a, in a very black and white sort of way, it gets to be very frustrating and it's very easily easy to dismiss it or walk away from it. The other part of it, of course, is that if you're the person of authority or speak in authority, and you are the author from the source, it also might be something that people don't want to hear. And that's really a reflection of, of this gospel as well because it picks up on the first reading from the book of Deuteronomy, which talks about a prophet 
will be raised up. And the prophet speaks in the name of the Lord. So there again, it's a question of authority. So the prophet, a prophet is never popular. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, even Jesus said a prophet is never accepted in his own town. Yeah. Uh, so Jesus, even here, is in a different town. He's in Capernaum, not Nazareth. And uh, so his voice is very powerful because they allow it to be powerful. They listen. And that's the other part. Jesus is speaking and acting in authority, but they have to be receptive. And we've talked about listening the last couple of weeks. Perhaps another good question is, what do we allow to have authority over us? Yes, because sometimes we choose, you know, we even say, oh, you got a problem with authority. I mean, that was that was really big back in the 1960s, uh, 70s. People, everybody seemed to have problems with authority, but we were all demonstrators in those days. Everybody was rebelling. Yeah. But I, I think really in, in a, a beautiful way that tie, ties into the responsorial psalm this weekend, Psalm 95, a, a favorite of many people. If today you hear his voice, harden not your not hearts. Your hearts. Uh, which... Sometimes when we we feel like God is moving us in a certain direction, then we do have the free will. Do I go in the direction or do I (laughs) rebel and harden my heart and do what I want to do? And and you were saying a little bit ago that I was making faces when you were defining authority. (laughs) I think some people, when they hear certain things in church, especially the gospel, that they, they also... Maybe they don't literally make faces, but they just kind of shove it aside because it doesn't seem to fit with what they want it to say. I generally make faces during your homily, but it's just because I'm waiting for it to end. (laughs) Uh, Speaking of the end. Here we are. Oh, goodness. All right, guys. Hey, thank you so much for being with us as always. We hope that you have a joyful week, and we'll see you this weekend for Mass, either in person or online. God bless you. God bless you.